Um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 5. Let's open in prayer. Lord, thank you for time of worship right now in song and ask you to bless this time as we worship in the word. And we thank you for your, the opportunity to look at your word. Guide and show us what you would want us to know. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 27. We talked last week about the healing of the man where the, his friends brought him in and dropped him, uh, well, dropped him, lowered him through the ceiling of the, because he couldn't get to, uh, in, to Jesus, and he healed many miracles. And now we're looking at verse 27. And after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom, and he said unto him, Follow me. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his own home. And there was a great company of publicans and others that sat down with them. But the scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why does he eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I am come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We're going to stop there because I'm just going to look at the call of Levi. Now, Levi's other name that you know him better as is Matthew. So this is talking about the apostle Matthew. So Jesus is walking down the street and he sees Levi at the receipt of customs. And if you don't know what that means is Levi was a tax collector. All right. Uh, even in our day, tax collectors are not <laughs> well liked and they were even less liked back then. All right. Levi was a Jew collecting taxes from the Jews for the Romans, which made him a bitter enemy as far as the Jews were concerned. He was a traitor to, to the Jewish people. And we, we have it bad enough because we know what our taxes are supposed to be and everything, but in the Roman days and, and various other times, the tax collectors bought the right to be tax collectors. And they paid the government a certain amount of money for the taxes that they were supposed to collect in that region. Anything they collected above that was theirs to keep. And they, and they had the power of the Roman army behind them. So when they showed up to, to collect taxes, if you didn't show up at the receipt booth, they would come with Roman soldiers. And if he was required to get $50, he might take $100. And you really had no recourse on this. So tax collectors were hated doubly. Every tax collector in that time was rich. The ones that were talked about, Zacchaeus, Matthew, all these guys had money because they cheated people. All right. And so this is the person. Jesus comes down the road with his disciples that have already called. We know he's called Andrew and Peter and, and James and John. And he's got these people with him. And can you imagine their horror when he looks over to this tax collector and says, follow me. Yeah. I just want to put that in our minds for just a moment. We always think of you know, Matthew as the gospel writer. He's a good apostle. But when he was called, he was the lowest of the low to the, to the other apostles even. And later on, he's going to get Nathaniel, who is a zealot. Uh, excuse me, James, the zealot. Zealot was at the opposite end <laughs> of this. Can you imagine the, the hard times that these two would have? You've got the zealot who's ready to go to war against Rome and the collaborator <laughs> in the same group. You know, 
Jesus put together quite an assemblage of characters to be his apostles. And he walked up to him and said, follow me. And as we look at this word, follow me, it is much deeper than just follow me. He was saying, be my disciple. Which meant he was saying, follow me and learn everything there is to know about what I think, how I think, what to do. You know, in college, we used to call what are now called majors, we used to call them disciplines. And you became a disciple of a discipline and learned. And all a disciple means is a learner anyway. And we learned a way of thinking. And so Jesus still comes up to, to Levi and says, follow me, become my disciple. And I want you just to picture this. He has pretty much everything. He has a home. He has money. He has you know, prestige with the Roman government. He has no prestige with the people. But he seems that you know, as far as human go goals, he seems to have everything. He'll have a nice home. As we see later on, he's going to host a party in his home. And it's not just a party, a feast. So this is a big decision for him to make. You know, and I bring this up, how many of us, if we seem to be on top of the world, would have followed Jesus and just left everything behind? And that's what it says. He left everything. He just walked away from the booth, probably handed the keys to the, to the guard who was supposed to say, and say, it's all yours, I'm gone, <laughs> and left. Have we, when God called us, done the same thing for him? What has God asked us to do to follow him? It's a very important question for us because many people, especially in America, have not left anything. They might add church on Sunday morning and that is their entirety of their commitment to God. Well, God, I, I, I give you my one hour a week in church. What more do you want? Well, you all know that I think God wants at least a tithe of our time. I think he wants two and a half hours a day of our time minimum and probably wants more because he said, follow me. He is Lord. He is master. Every part of our day technically belongs to him. He would probably be happy just getting 10% of our time. You know, we just sang the song, Oh, the sweet delight of a single hour <laughs> with God. I hope you all really understand the sweet delight of an hour with God. There have been times when I get into my study and I'll... I'll find out that hours have gone by in the process of studying and just not even realize it. You know, do we spend our time with God? Are we truly his follower, his disciple? Are we learning to think the way that God wants us to think? And that's not an easy thing to do. You know, he tells us to do really easy things like love our enemies. <laughs> as we love ourselves, <laughs> You know, it's real natural for us to really, you know, when we're wanting to hurt them, God says, love them. And, you know, very important, you know, do we know him well enough to know and be changed by his thoughts? The disciples that he called got to hang out with him 24-7, other than when he disappeared to pray. We need to learn to be able to spend our time with God, meditate on his word, meditate on what he wants us to do. This is what he called Levi. 
Leave all that you have. Leave those riches. Leave, the, leave everything behind and follow me. I am, I've often wondered, why did he leave? You know, one thing we do know, if you, if you talk to very many rich people, you know that they understand that riches are not what answers all of your problems. Riches create a lot of problems a lot of times. You know, so maybe he was already dissatisfied. Well, I have all this money not, and I'm still not there. I'm not happy and I'm not, not, not pleased. Maybe there was just something in the way Jesus said, follow me. It doesn't tell us. All he says is, follow me, and he got up and walked after him. Remember a couple of verses, chapters ago we talked about, he talked to Peter, and Peter, James, and John out at the boats and said, follow me, and they left the boat. You know, and again, they had a thriving fishing business. The, the, the Zebedee company was well known in that day all the way to Jerusalem for selling fish. And they just walked away from, their, from, their, from all of their, their job and went to follow Jesus. Now, of course, he gave them a great catch of fish before that. He showed his power. But, you know, God says, follow me. And oftentimes that will mean we will put our personal desires on the back burner to follow him. Now, the good news is that he will change our personal desires over time and change us to match his desires. And this is the beauty of it. Levi got up immediately and followed him. And then I love this next verse. He decided that he was following Jesus. He was going to throw a great big party. And who did he invite? It says he invited publicans. <laughs> yeah. He invited all of his quote-unquote friends at that point in time. You know, he had nobody else to invite. Nobody else would talk to him <laughs> other than the other publicans. You know, he was a person that was not welcomed. If he showed up at anybody's party, he would have been kicked back out the door because he was the lowest of the low as far as people were. Only prostitutes were below, below these uh, tax collectors in the hatred people had for them. So he throws a party and he throws... He, brings the guest of the ones that he knows. Other tax collectors. Other people that are not the top of the cream of the crop. You know, and it's kind of an amazing thing, because when we're first saved, who do we know? We know people that aren't saved, that, aren't, that are just as bad a sinner as we are. It's an amazing thing that the longer we walk with God, the less, un, less unsaved people we get to know. Because we start spending more time in church, we spend more time hanging out with the Christians, and that's a good thing on one side. You know, if I didn't work at the prison, I probably wouldn't talk to very many sinners out very often because uh, I'm surrounded by them out there. And I get to talk to them. And they get to ask me Bible questions and to pray for them and all these things that they're not supposed to do because I'm a computer instructor. But they also know that I am very willing to talk about God. <laughs> you know, so while we're out there is, are we ministering to the people that we come in contact with? Matthew, Levi, brings this great crowd of people together of publicans. And Jesus has a meal with them. Now having said that, now the scribes and Pharisees get involved. Everywhere Jesus goes, he's got a crowd of scribes and Pharisees following him. And they look at what, who he's eating dinner with. 
and they immediately have a problem and they go to the disciples why is your master eating with publicans and sinners now before we get too uptight about that how many times maybe have you looked at somebody and going why are they hanging out with that person or maybe you've been on the other extreme where you are helping somebody and you're getting accused of why are you hanging out with that type of person the sad thing is, the longer we walk with God, the more we expect other people to not walk with sinners and stuff, and not to talk to sinners. And I'm not going to say go party with the sinners every weekend. That would probably be a dumb thing to be doing. You know, going out to their, their drinking and drug parties is not going to be a good thing. But if we totally isolate from the world, how do they hear the message of God? And we have to walk a fine line between hanging out with them and cooperating with them because... Everybody who gets saved knows that eventually they start thinking you're better than they, they are because you're not doing the same things that they do. You know, Jesus just was having dinner with them. He wasn't getting into their sin. He wasn't getting in, into anything else. And he was talking to them about God. And it is very important that we reach out to the world. It is one thing to be able to come into church and, and talk about God and have a great time and and we all have a great time lifting up God and talking about how wonderful he is. But if we don't go outside those doors and talk to people about how wonderful God is and how much he loves them, we've got a problem. We have a big problem. We are here to give the message out. And how we do that is going to be a big question. But we need to. This is why we provide tracks. This is why we encourage you to, to invite people to different things, to go and do things it's important that we take Christ to the people there are people in this town that I know that they won't come in, the, in inside the, the walls of this church and they'll be saying funny things like if I come in the walls will fall down and I always go no the walls have been up there since 1917 they're not going to fall down just because you come in the door you know I, 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 I play with them I mean I'm <laughs> I, I will go right back at them you know uh, but you know, what is, what is the thing that keeps us from talking to people? We're all worried that they're going to ask us something that we don't have an answer for. And I have said over and over again, that's the best thing that can happen to you. Because you have a great answer. I don't know the answer to that. Let me go find the answer. Can we meet again next week or tomorrow or whatever is convenient for you when you can get the answer and start talking to them again? And you know what you really want them to do? is ask you another question that you don't know so that you can go back and have a third time talking to them about God. It's a wonderful circle. The one thing that you fear the most is the thing that will help you witness to these people over and over and over again. And each time you make sure you bring up the fact that we're all sinners, we all need Jesus Christ for salvation, that without him we deserve punishment and death, and then you answer their question and hope that they ask you another question so you can go back and give them the gospel again and answer their question. You know, it's an amazing thing, and the gospel message is so simple. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and without Christ's sacrifice, we cannot please the Father. We deserve punishment. Now, there's more we expand upon it, but, you know, I've told you all, you can give the gospel message in 30 seconds. Now, hopefully you expand upon it when you're, when you're giving it, but you can give somebody the entire gospel message in about 30 seconds. And we just need to make sure that we're out there telling them. Matthew invited the people he knew. 
And Jesus didn't turn his nose up at them and say, nope, can't, you know, Matthew, go find some better friends before we have a party at your house. Now, I know there are many Christians out there who would have looked at that, at that crowd and go, uh -uh, I'm not going in that group. You know, I'm going to be, if I go in that group, everybody's going to look at me and wonder why. Which is exactly what the scribes and Pharisees did. <laughs> why are you with that group? If you are a righteous prophet, why are you with that group? Now, it was even worse to the Jews because the Jews believed that if you hung out with a, with a sinner, you were a sinner just by being near them. Yeah, and this is kind of a crazy thing because they're all sinners. They just don't know it. But they literally believed that if I walked by and I touched somebody who was of the lowest class, like a publican or a, or a prostitute, that I was defiled and dirty with their sin just by bumping, their, bumping against them or coming within a certain distance of them. So these guys are looking in and saying, this guy says he's a prophet. This guy says he's a good teacher. What is he doing in that, in that group? Not only is he near them, he is eating with them. <laughs> we need to be careful that we don't judge others on that same case. I have seen people that got upset that they walked by somebody who was a Christian and, and they were drinking a little wine with their, with their dinner at a restaurant. Now, as a pastor, I would not drink it just because I don't want anybody to, be, to think, well, it's okay to drink, because you know, I don't think it's okay to drink outside of moderation. And with me, I couldn't drink with moderation because I do everything to excess. So I would never be able to drink. But is it wrong to drink? The Bible says, don't be drunk. It doesn't say don't drink. So if you can drink without being drunk, there's nothing in the Bible that says that you can't. Now, Paul did say that don't do something that will make somebody else fall. So there is some scripture that say you probably shouldn't. But it's between you and God. Now, if you're drinking so much that you're getting drunk, then the Bible does say don't be drunk. And you are definitely crossed the line at that point. So, but are we to sit there and judge one another? You know, the interesting thing, when we judge somebody, usually the thing we judge somebody else in is an area that we have a problem with ourselves. You know, and I've noticed that over and over. Somebody will be complaining about somebody doing something and, and you just kind of twist it around and find out it is their problem also. Maybe they're not doing it, but they are concerned about doing it. They're thinking about doing it. But these guys are telling Jesus, just telling the disciples, why is your master eating with these guys? Why is he defiling himself? He is supposed to be a good teacher. Why would, doesn't he know who he's sitting with? Because those scribes and Pharisees would never have gone, never even have gone into his house. So I don't even know how they know who was in the house, but they're watching it enough to know who goes in and stuff. And they're going, we can't even go in this house. We'll be dirty going into this house. So why is he talking to them? Jesus' answer is something that kind of makes people wonder. He goes, I have... I have come to, the, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I am come, not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now this is kind of an interesting statement. Do you think that he was telling the scribes and Pharisees that they weren't sinners? No. He wasn't telling them that they weren't sinners. He goes, I'm going to talk to the people who know they're sinners. Now I don't know how many of you go out and witness to very many people, but you know, I would rather witness to somebody who knows they're a sinner than somebody who thinks they're a good person that doesn't know God. 
Because you start talking to him and say, you know, God says that all have sinned. There's a lot of people that will try to convince you that they have not sinned. You know, and I've even asked a couple of them, you know, I was actually witnessing to somebody back a couple months ago, and they go, well, I'm not a sinner. I go, have you ever told a lie? And she goes, no. And I'm going, well, I know that that's a lie right now. Especially when she told me to lie to some of her students because she wanted me to, to set her agenda in front of them. And I'm going, you just told me to lie last month, so you are capable of lying and you do lie. Well, no, I'm just trying to you know, make things go my way. I go, it's still a lie. <laughs> but this is what happens when people think they're righteous. They will justify everything they do and not even be willing to accept that they're a sinner. You know, and then you take things to the word Jesus said that if you look with lust on somebody, you've committed adultery. If you have been angry at somebody without cause, you have committed murder in, you know, in your mind. We are all guilty of just about every commandment out there. Most everybody uses God's name in vain, especially when you understand that using his name in vain means to use it empty. Many of us would never use you know, God's, word as a, God's name as a cuss word, but how many times have we said, Oh my God, oh gosh, and we're not praying. We use his name lightly, and that is taking his name in vain. We need to be very careful. We have all violated every commandment, especially at the level that Jesus did, talked about it. And this is why it's hard. When somebody is righteous, it's hard to get them to understand that they need a Savior. And that is what Jesus is saying. I'm not coming to the righteous. Yeah. And he wasn't saying they were. He's just saying, I'm coming to those who need a physician who know that they're sick. It is wonderful to go talk to people who know that they are sinners. You know, because it's, you don't have to convince them. When I talk to the prisoners out of the prison, it's like, you, you know, everybody sinned. Oh, yeah, I know. As a matter of fact, they think that everybody does anyway. You know, they believe that everybody has, has, should be in prison if they got caught. And it's probably true. All of us have probably done something that would have gotten us in trouble with the law and put us in prison at some point in our life, if not every day of our life. So they just know that they got caught. But you know, ultimately, we're going to stand before God. Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. We'll stand at the bema seat of Christ and be judged for the works that we've let him do, not for salvation. Everybody who's rejected Jesus Christ will stand at the white throne judgment and be guilty. And at that time, they will understand their sin and how they've rejected Jesus Christ, and they will be cast into hell. Jesus, talking to the scribes and Pharisees, says, I didn't come for, for healthy people. Now, he wasn't saying they were healthy. They thought they were healthy, but rather than argue with them, he just said, I didn't come for you, I came for these guys. You know, if you're witnessing to somebody and they're just wanting to argue with you and disagree with you and they're not listening, don't waste your time with them. Give them the gospel message and move on. There are millions of people, and even, even in your life, hundreds of people that you come across, there will be somebody out there that will listen to the gospel message. Don't sit there and argue with them. You know, be willing to answer questions if they're seeking we had a young man that kept coming in to talk to me every week about, about scientific facts and everything. And, and it was okay for a while, but then he started repeating all of his questions. 
And I'm saying, you're not paying attention to any of my answers, so we're not having these discussions anymore. You're not wasting my time if you're not listening. And this is what Jesus was saying to these Pharisees. I'm not wasting my time talking to you because you're not even recognizing that you need a Savior. You know, we need to at least give an opportunity. All my family, I've talked with my family about being saved. Many of them are not saved, but they've at least heard the message once. Some of them have heard it lots of times, <laughs> uh, depending on how open they are. But you know, our job is just to tell people it's the Holy Spirit that's going to call them. But the last thing you want to be doing is at the white throne judgment, when people look over and say to you, why didn't you tell me about this? You're over there on the good side, the one that's accepted Jesus. Why did you not tell me? And I'm not sure that that would happen, but I can picture it happening. Them looking over at all the people over there that are saved and picking out their friends that never told them about Jesus. Never told them that judgment was coming. I don't want to be guilty of that. I want to tell people. And I can't say that I've told everybody, but I tell lots of people about the gospel message. I love to talk about God and they know it. When I was a manager, I used to love coming into store, the store after a weekend and go, you know what God did this weekend or what God did yesterday? And you could see them rolling their eyes back and saying, oh, no, he's going to talk about God again. <laughs> but, you know, I'd rather have that response from people than somebody going, well, I never knew you were a Christian. You know, and I've met people that nobody knows that they're a Christian. You see them at a church on Sunday and going, wow, you go to church? Are you a Christian? Yeah. You know, wow, it sure didn't look like it when you were lying, lying to all the people at, at work and, and manipulating everybody at work. You, lived, you were just like everybody else. Christ should change the way we walk, the way we live. Levi got up and followed him, said, I am going to follow him. Left behind everything. Had a party with all of his friends. And after that party, many of his friends probably didn't want to have anything to do with him. Yeah. How many of you remember when you first became a Christian and all, and all the people who used to hang out with you slowly started not hanging out with you? Just because now you're talking about God. You're saying, no, I can't do that because it's wrong. Not even that you're saying they're wrong or that they're having a problem, but you just say, I cannot do that. You know. How many times have you been with a group and they've tried to talk you into doing something? <laughs> now, I can remember a time when I was at a party, a company party, and they, all my manager, manager, fellow managers were trying to convince me that I could take one drink with no problem. And I'm going, I'm not interested. You know, I, don't want, I don't even want to. Well, all of us are. I go, well, that's fine. I don't follow a crowd. You know, it's very important. Are we willing to do what's right no matter what? And it will draw people, all accusations against us all the time. So my challenge for us is, are you a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ? Are you going to be somebody who leaves behind the world to serve God? Now, some people, there was nothing wrong necessarily with him being a tax collector if he did it right. And only took what he was allowed to take. And that's what Jesus told him at one point. If you're collecting taxes, collect just what you're supposed to do. If you're collecting, you know, if you're doing this, he goes, do it, do it with righteousness. Do it with honor. You know, it wasn't that what he was doing was wrong, but he followed Christ and changed his way of living. And the way he acted. Are we 
totally devoted to God and willing to step out in whatever he asks us to do. Sometimes it's not going to change our life much at all. You get to do what you've always done. There have been businessmen who God says, I've got you saved. Now you're just going to keep doing business. And you're, all, the only thing I want you to do is now is support missionaries, support Christians. And there have been some very famous businessmen who have, who have given away 90% of what they made in their companies, and they were still millionaires, which meant that they gave away a lot of money to help missions, to build churches, to build schools to do things for people. God called them to use their skills as businessmen and then honor the kingdom. There's those he'll call to be missionaries. There's those, you know, what is he going to call you to do? Don't be afraid of what he's going to call you to do because one thing is very true is no matter what he calls you to do, he's going to give you the desire to do. You know, he does not say, well, I'm going to have your arm twisted behind your back and make you do something for the rest of your life. That's not our God. He loves us. He gives us the desire to do what he has given us to do. And he empowers us to do what he's given us the call to do. And so we want to be able to step out and do what he does and move out and follow. Lord, we just thank you for this day. Lord, if there's anybody listening or even in this room that doesn't know you, we ask today that they will choose to accept you as Lord and Savior, that they will admit that they're a sinner and plead your blood that you died on the cross for them, for their sins, and ask you to be their Lord and Master. And then they will talk to, to an individual and say, I've done this, I've made this decision. Lord, for all the rest of us, Lord, we ask that you put in our heart a burning desire to serve you more, to surrender to your will, and to follow you in all that you do. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listening friend, do you know where you'll go after you die? Without the gift of Jesus, it will be an eternity in hell without God. Good works will not get you there. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. To spend eternity with God, we must recognize that we are sinners in need of Christ. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. To be assured eternal life, we simply talk to God, admit you are a sinner, and ask him for his free gift. You must mean the words to get the, to be answered. Jesus is waiting to hear your request. If you have asked him for eternal life, he has come into you and he will change you. Start reading the book of Ephesians and see what God says about your new life. After you understand the book of Ephesians, you can start reading the Gospel of John. Next, find a good Bible teaching church. Tell the pastor about your decision for God and be taught. If you contact us, we will send you a new believer booklet free of charge. Congratulations and grow in Christ. You can contact us by email at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or by snail mail at P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona 86431. We are happy to help with your new life in Christ or even answering Bible questions. Again, congratulations on your decision for Christ.